The Way Out Podcast, episode 375. What is your name? Halima Anderson. Halima? What was your substance of choice or DOC if you had one? Well, it was alcohol. You and me both, sister. Yep. (laughs) Alcohol. That was definitely my first love and my ultimate downfall. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was the only thing really for me that, you know, took me to a whole nother level. And I I carried on for quite some time. And it it was a long, it was a progressive, uh, a progressive ride, but... um, it served its purpose. You know, it served its purpose. It was, um, wasn't the safest, safest way to, to go about things. That's for sure. I exhibited some, now some pretty, uh, some pretty dangerous, uh, habits and experiences. I kind of just put myself in because my judgment was completely off. Um, and then I was really, I was sad, Charles, yeah. you know, yeah. you, the way you talk about that, Haliba, reminds me that very much alcohol for me was an imperfect solution mm-hmm. to a problem I was trying to address. Mm-hmm. And it did work until it definitely didn't. Yep. I'm grateful to a large extent that I had it because Honestly, Halima, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have alcohol to pour all over the problem. There you go. I mean, really, and you don't you don't realize to what to 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 what extent until you get to this place yeah. and you look and you see, you know, in all the ways it served you. Yeah. And um, you know, it's like your best friend. It was your best. It's your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> the reason, yeah, there's a reason I call it my first love. You know, I mean, you'll do anything, Absolutely. you know, and and things that you think that you, you you know, I mean, you know, we all have our 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 our, our places and 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 how far we would go or wouldn't go, but these are just things you wouldn't imagine doing, and uh, you know, uh, figuring out. I, I got to tell you, Charles, it was a lot of work. It yeah. was. <laughs> It's a lot of work. It's not only is it a best friend, it's a full-time job. You got it. Oh, look, it's a toxic <laughs> relationship, Halima. It is the definition uh, yes. of a toxic relationship. However you look at it, yeah. it, it, it is because it's love, it's hate, it's, you know, it's all these emotions and you're doing it, you know, for every occasion, every occasion. There's never a time where it's not, where it's inappropriate in your mind. You You bet. And it's doing this thing for me, but at such a high cost. It's exacting an incredibly high cost for what I get out of it. Increasingly so. It's painful. Um, But, you know, when you figure out that you were running, you know, just running. And when you sit, you have to sit and look at what's happening around you. And why things are, you know, 
you kind of you, you tell yourself so many so many things like oh that that's not the reason to happen you know alcohol had nothing to do with that this is nothing at all to do with that <laughs> this happened because of this or because of that person or because of, you know but the common thread is always the alcohol that's it that's it. I was the common denominator and so was alcohol. But to your point, Haliba, I'd blame anything but me and alcohol <laughs> for all my problems. Halima, what is your clean and or sober date if you keep one? Uh, January 5th, 2021. January 5th, 2021. That is over two years of continuous sobriety, Haliba. Congratulations on that. And I got to tell you, you know what, Charles? I'm not saying it was easy to get to where I am today, but it's it's when 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 you do when you when you really look at the reasons why you were drinking and you 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 have to go back and and work through all of that. Come to terms with it. I mean, the, the shame, the guilt, all of it, you've got to look at it. You got to come to terms with it because if you don't, it keeps you, it keeps you right there. You, you won't, you won't move forward. You don't want to move forward. It's just, it's so hard. But once you do, I got to tell you, once you do, it's like, woo, wow, wow. I can do this. I got this. And of course that carries over into all parts of your life. You yeah. know, because it's not just the booze. Yeah. You know, it's everything. I mean, and when I say it's a full-time job, I mean what you, you, the hiding, yeah, <laughs> the hiding yeah. of physically and mentally, yeah. emotionally, everything, hiding. Period. Um, you know, like I said, the shame, the guilt, and then there's some. If you, if it depending on the type of relationship you're in. That person might want to keep you there in that. Bet. So you, bet. You, have, you have you have you have that to contend with as, as well. In my case, I I don't know if it necessarily he wanted me there, but I was there, and I think you know when you're not well, it's easy for things to <laughs> it's easy for you to be controlled. It's yeah. your thought, your thoughts, your behaviors, um, because then you know it brings you back to the, the guilt, the hiding, the shame, and so you know. You stay in bad relationships. You, you stay in bad in jobs that don't serve you. You, you, uh, you you're not your best self. You, you physically, it's just. But when you get through it, I mean, I can't tell you the the blessings that come with all of that. Things that you have never imagined. It's effortless because. You're really, you're not running anymore. You're, you're cool with who you are. You're good with who you are. And you're accepting of yourself, all of all of the parts of you. And that's, that's the gift that alcohol gave me. Mm. It gave me, it gave me, it, it, it kept me safe when I, when I needed to be safe. It kept me company. Um, you know, it kept me out and about. It just kept my definitions are what I thought, you know. And since I put that drink down, um, that's when life really just opened up. And that's when it really got really good. Because not only did um, I realize it was so many more, it was, it was, it was, the alcohol was a symptom for, for me. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, t- today I don't, I don't crave it. I don't desire it. it I can be around it. Um, I can be in bar settings. It just, it's not a thing for me because I love the way I feel without it. I love everything without it. And then when I look at what I was doing to get it down my neck, it was like putting it, making it sweeter, drinking it faster. Like I didn't like it. I never <laughs> liked the taste of it. You know what I mean? It's uh, like I'm gonna get through it to get to get to a feeling yeah. that once you do the do the science, you, you know the science. You know it's only a 20 some minute rush, yeah. and then it's all downhill. Yeah. And so, but when you're constantly in it day to day, and it never leaves your system, you're not having really clear thoughts. And when you when when you um you know uh, our society and and, and and teaches us that. Hey, you're supposed to go to college and um, get crazy that you start your drinking. And, and so you're doing all of these things, these first time things on booze. You're never experiencing to get sober moments because this is you think you're supposed to be doing this. And then it just for some of us, it just grows. It exacerbates. You go into a certain job. Uh, I was in the restaurant industry. You know, there's... <laughs> nothing but booze and drinking and then it just ramps up and then it's just part of your life and then you realize you're doing having activities with and and they're all around booze so yeah my life has changed because i don't do that any longer uh the from a financial standpoint it's amazing it's amazing my friendships are deeper the ones that i still have because that goes away too some of those friendships go away. It's a lonely place for a minute. It's a lonely place when you um, when you stop doing that. But that's it's part of the process and it's part of the work and that's the beauty of it all. Um, and each day that goes by, it just becomes a distant a distant memory for me. The the, the drinking part of it, I look at more of the, the person and the people that I surrounded myself with mm. during those times and that you know yeah you talked about the shame and the guilt and that keeps us stuck it kept me stuck for a long time and it's a self perpetuating cycle because often my behavior well under the influence is radically inconsistent with my values which produces more shame and guilt and then I tried to quit and I couldn't more shame more guilt more demoralization all feelings I used more alcohol to get rid of and suppress and on the other side of that like you talked about accepting my substance use disorder alcoholism addiction and experiencing a freedom I hadn't experienced maybe ever on the other side of that and being able to begin to build a life that doesn't include alcohol and it becomes so good 
I don't want alcohol in it. I don't. <laughs> I like my life. And so I don't often find myself wanting to put alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal is to create a life where alcohol doesn't doesn't look attractive to us. Mm-hmm. And that comes with doing the work on yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's that's paramount. You don't just stop the booze and then everything's okay. You were doing it because things weren't okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you got to dig in there. You got to dig in there and yep, it's super painful, but it's in comparison to the amount of years that you suffered and what's on the other side and the length of time that it takes you to kind of get through that. It's 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 different and it's joyful. It's a discovery. You know, because you're finding out who you are, what you like and what you really don't like, what you've been putting up with <laughs> to get through. You know, just all of these things that you are forced to look at. And it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And so, so worth it. You know, but but you need support. I mean, would you agree with that, Charles? I mean, oh, 100%, something no you question. can do on your own. <laughs> I couldn't. No, I could not. I, I tried. I, did and, and I mean, but, but you need support. You you have to have support. And even if you didn't technically, and I think there are maybe a few folks who could just not drink in grit their teeth and gnash their teeth and tough it out and be miserable. They still and, have the issues. They still yeah, have the Exactly. Still you got it. And yeah. I call I call that suffering from untreated alcoholism. Yeah. That's what I call that. And it's sad. And it's it sad. it's sad. It is. All of it's sad. All of this is sad, Charles. But you know, you, you it, it, alcohol affects everybody differently. Mm-hmm. And I I feel that some of us uh have to have it physically. Like it, it, it and some of us it's it's an addiction of, of the of another part of our body, another, you know, and I just can't see either one of those, any situation where you're drinking alcohol, where, where you would are questioning whether or not you're an alcoholic. I think at, at any point it's, it's, it's your mental. It's like, you've got to do something. You have to real, it's trauma. You got to realize why you're drinking. What started it? There's always a start to where things kicked off. You got causes and conditions yes. in terms of, and I found those out for myself. I had to be abstinent first mm-hmm. and then lean in and do some really difficult and important work that allowed me to be able to unlock my recovery. and. For me, that was working the 12 steps in order with a sponsor and therapy in parallel. And that was the secret combination for me mm-hmm. that unlocked my recovery. And it was not easy, but it paid off in spades from an overall wellness perspective. And there's no question in my mind 
that I would not be sober today if it was not for doing those two things in parallel. Absolutely. And I think that because alcohol affects all of us differently, there's no path that can be, you know, scripted out for any for anybody you just need to know that 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 that, that's available and I think so many people think that you know 12 steps I'll go that that's the only route there's so many other routes you got it can possibly work I I, got it I I stayed in fear of seeking out help because I didn't want to admit I didn't want to admit it Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go and do it in front of a bunch of people either, initially. But once you get past the shame and the guilt of things, you start to realize that that's just where you need to be <laughs> with other people that are going through what you're going through, that can share the day-to-day, you know, uh, the fears, all of those little nuances that, that you can't get from other from from anybody else or anywhere else except for people who've gone through it no question and the recovery community has been so instrumental in my own recovery for so many reasons and continues to be one of the foundations of my recovery for a lot of reasons not the least of which especially the beginning i identified people who had what I wanted. And they had thought like I thought, drank like I drank, acted like I acted, and they got better. And I wanted to get better too. And so I started to do what they did. And it changed me. And it continues to do so. Almost now nine years into sobriety, I'm still learning from the folks that I have grown to know and love in my recovery. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, you must feel so blessed to have that, you know. Um, I I surrounded myself with, uh, first, after I admitted it to myself, (laughs) I went to my primary physician as I asked her for her help and then it went on to you know a therapist colleague that she knew that I had known from the past and connected with her again and then outpatient and it was just just all of those things that that were that that came into play because I was ready because I wanted it yeah. And because I wasn't afraid to ask for help. Absolutely. It was the scariest thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The totally. scariest thing because you think, well, this is going to really change my life. And that's another thing that keeps you in it. You just don't want things to change, but something inside of you is saying it has to change. You just can't go 100%. this way. 100%. In- I was so terrified of life without alcohol and equally terrified of not changing. 
awful place to be in. I was in it for too for 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 too long. Too long. You know, for too long. No, it took what it took, and I'm grateful, so I don't have any sure. regrets about it. But it's an awful place to be in. Halima, how do you serve the recovery community? <laughs> well, I first and foremost I serve the community by being healthy and whole. That's what I do first. <laughs> um, because I can't be show up on my A game if I'm not taking care of me. So that's first and foremost. Um, and then I stay up to speed and, and well informed. Um, and then I, I, I coach folks. Um, uh, I have a sober living coach um, business. I uh, go to meetup groups. I uh, I'm available to, 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 to people in the community that, that need help. They'll reach out to me. Um, I've uh, spoken on other podcasts to try and create a space where people can 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 realize and know that there are other ways to get help. There's many ways to get help. Let's say that there are many ways to get help and to start somewhere, you know, start somewhere. And so I, I try to be that person. I try to be that person that, you know, you can knock on the door and, and get a cup of sugar from, you know, I'm, I'm that girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because we got to take this thing out. Yes. Like we got to take it out. We got to take it to the grocery store. Yep. Yep. We got to take it to work. Yeah. We got to take it on the roads when we're driving. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to be an exemplary person inside a recovery meeting. Absolutely. Okay? And wax poetically about recovery principles. It's a whole different thing to take it out into the world. Yep. Exactly. When people aren't acting like you want them to act sometimes and they're unpredictable and they're doing things that you might not like. And then how do I right. show up? And exactly. then how do I choose yep. to respond? Mm -hmm. But I know one thing for sure, if I'm not certain always how to respond, I know I'm not drunk responding. And I know I'm going to remember <laughs> what I said. I know I'm going to have clarity <laughs> in what I'm saying. And I know that I'm not going to run somebody out of the room because I can't, you know, keep it together. That's what I do know. And, and nine times out of 10, I'm okay. <laughs> like I'm okay because I'm myself. I'm in a place where like I would, I wouldn't have chosen to be there if I wasn't meant to be there. In term and, and I mean and what I mean by that is I choose I choose everything much more wisely now. <laughs> and so I'm not putting myself in situations where I have no business being or where I've got to drink through a drink to get through a conversation or I just don't live like that anymore. I don't put myself where I don't wanna be or need to be. I'm living an authentic life. I can be exactly who I am and in doing that those are the places I hang out. I love that, Halima. <laughs> Halima, what does recovery mean to you? Everything. It means that, <laughs> it means everything. It means that I can follow my dreams. I can feel my passions. I can interact with people in a very real way. I can, um, I can, I can 
exceed all expectations. You know what I mean? Like nothing's impossible for me. That's what recovery means for me. That's what it means to me. It means that I can have all my dreams come true. Welcome Way Out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding, and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution, this podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, I'm pleased to bring you my interview with sober living coach and person in long-term recovery, Halima Anderson. Halima shares her journey to and through recovery to this point with us with an infectious humor and frankness that is both relatable and inspiring. A case in point is Halima's willingness to share that she identifies as a highly sensitive person, which based on my experience on this year podcast is not an uncommon occurrence with those of us who are in recovery. And understanding this about ourselves can be helpful in understanding why we may feel emotions so intensely. In understand, just like with our addictions, we don't have to be alone in that experience anymore if we don't want to. And we can, in fact, turn it into a real asset if we so choose. Halima is proof positive that there's more than one way to recover and that our collective recoveries have far more in common than we may realize. So listen up. Halima Anderson, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Way Out podcast. You are a sober living coach. You are a person 
in long-term recovery. And you're here with us to share your journey to and through recovery to this point. Before we get into any of that, and I cannot wait to do so, why don't you take a brief moment to reintroduce yourself to the Way Out podcast audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get started. I am Halima R. Anderson, and I... um. I've been sober for over two years from alcohol, and it is amazing. Halima, tell me a little bit about the foo, the family of origin. Where did you grow up, and what was family life like? Well, I kind of moved around the, uh, the states, but I grew up, well, born in Philadelphia, raised in South Carolina, and then back to the north, Jersey, and then Philadelphia, then overseas, and then... <laughs> Back to the States. Wow. And uh, growing up, there were some family members who uh, struggled with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I, I, was, I did see some, some of those behaviors on a, on a regular basis. I'm not sure how that, I haven't been able to put that together in terms of how it affected me uh, because I, I didn't start drinking until a little bit later in life. Heavily. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting when we think about our families and the family of origin. And if we have a family history of addiction or alcoholism or substance use, I think it's perhaps helpful to know that. Mm -hmm. But in the end, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't really, because regardless, I am. Okay. And how I ended up being one is a whole lot less important (laughs) than how I stay well today. And it just reminds me of my treatment counselor when I landed myself into treatment again in my mid-30s. And I broke down like a baby and got honest for the first time in my entire life to one human being about all of it. And she asked me, what do you want to get out of this thing? And I said, I want to know why I am the way I am. Because I thought about that question kind of a lot. Mm. And she laughed at me. Mm. And she said, just say it's because you had big addicted alcoholic switches. And you were just born to be an addict or an alcoholic. Or let's say it's because your mom died when you were 11. Or let's say it's a combination of the two. Do you think if you find out why you are the way you are, you'll ever be able to drink normally again? No. (laughs) No. Do you ever think you'll be able to use safely again? No. Okay, should we figure out how we get better instead of why we are the way we are? Now, that was a game changer. And I did find out a lot about why I am the way I am. But I always think of it in terms of a burning house. My house was on fire and I was asking how it started instead of putting the fire out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sometimes we are provided those answers as we progress our journey and they can fill in some of those puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. We got to put the fire out. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the beautiful part of the whole, the, the, the journey. And, you know, 
having it be your journey. It, you come to the realizations, if you continue to do the work, you know, of what matters, what doesn't matter, what's relevant, what's irrelevant in your journey to, to being a better person. In, 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 in your journey to sobriety. For me, the, the only part that I need to know about in terms of having alcohol, alcoholics in my, or people who had, people who struggled with alcohol, the only thing I'm really concerned about is the, the treatment I received from those individuals. You see yeah. that, because that affects you. You bet. Do I need a name put to put a name to it? Do I need to point the finger at the per nope? <laughs> right. This is to, this is the trauma. This is the work that I'm doing yeah. to move past this, to yeah. fortify myself so I get myself to a place where I'm not turning to anything to dull the pain or yeah. anything to distract me from what the issue really is at hand. And so that's what it, you, the, the, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta amass some tools to 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 um to use because it's ongoing. Your life is ongoing, <laughs> you know, and you've got to cope. And no question. There are healthy ways of doing that. So yeah, that's the only component I need to. And and the story I was telling two years ago is different than the one I'm sharing today. You know, yeah. because you evolve, you grow, you figure things out. It's not people's fault anymore it's not you it's got not it your, your fault as much anymore it's not like it's just it just it becomes prettier and prettier as as you go no question oh halima when i started this podcast six plus years ago i was just straight cutting open a vein you know and mm -hmm. it was a lot about what it was like and not a whole lot about what happened and what it's like now yeah and those episodes are still out there because that was real and that was honest and that's where I was at. And that's where somebody else is that needs to hear that. You got it. You got it. And my story is a whole lot different yeah. today. And it should be. It should be. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yes. And that's that's the magic. That's the yeah. beauty. That's the beauty. And that's the, those are the fruits of your of your labor. That's when things come to fruition and you and and. It, it keeps going, guys. Like it never yeah. stops. It's always something new and fresh because you you can see things now. You can actually see things, even right down to the the the, the greenest of leaves. I mean, it's just it's not make it's not make believe. Your your senses are so dulled when you're doing it, you know. But you gotta take it easy on yourself. But you gotta also know it's amazing. It's amazing. And you talk about doing the work, and I want to talk about the work that you did mm. because I'm yes. such a huge advocate of leaning in and doing the work that yeah. needs to be done mm -hmm. in order to get unstuck, in order to unlock your recovery mm -hmm. and unlock your journey to wellness. Tell me about your first real experience with alcohol you said it was a little bit later so tell me about that journey when did you experience alcohol do you experience it early and it wasn't a thing for you and then it became a thing what happened yeah I tasted it like in um college tasted it i think like my in high school tasted it but never really was my thing because remember i didn't like the taste of it yeah um I don't know what, yeah. So I didn't like the taste of it. So, uh, yeah, I would say probably in my late 20s, early 30s, uh, I just ramped it up. 
a little bit more. I mean, it became like on a regular basis. I wouldn't say daily. I, I didn't even have it in my home at that time. But every time I went out and I was working in the restaurant business, you know, I, I was drinking. Yeah. And but then it was still fun. It wasn't a problem. Well, I didn't think it was a problem. <laughs> Who said it was a problem? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, um, and then the traveling started, like I was a big traveler and I'd go all of these places and booze was always involved. I mean, yeah. I missed out on seeing some really cool things because I was sleeping in the hotel room, yeah. but I would just go back again. Uh, but to see bad decisions, just poor decisions. Um, yeah. And then, uh, when I moved overseas, it, uh, I was somewhat isolated, even though I was, very busy with work and travel and things, but I was still very isolated and lonely. And so, mm. um, and then the, 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 I guess part of the lure of not being able to get it as easily was a thing for me too, because I had to have a license and I had to have um, my male boss vouch for me and a police officer vouch for me because I wasn't married so that I could buy, purchase alcohol legally in this Muslim country. So, you know, weren't gonna, nobody was going to tell me I couldn't have it. And so when I did get it, I was loading up. So things got really fun over there. <laughs> and then I came back to the States, entered into a relationship I shouldn't have been in. And it really got, you know... I, during COVID, I, I I would boast and I would say, oh, we made it. We made it. You know, <laughs> we did not make it. Yeah, we didn't get COVID, but we didn't make it. <laughs> and you know what, Charles? I bet you there's a couple of other people. There's a couple of other couples out there, too, that is sitting there. Somebody's scratching their head and saying, no, we didn't make it. We didn't make it through no. COVID. No, I could. Hey, look, I could relate to that. My most recent relationship ended. We made it through COVID, but we really didn't. You didn't make it we through COVID, make, we, we didn't. <laughs> believe it, we didn't make it. Okay. No, no, okay. no, a lot of us didn't make it. No. <laughs> you no. know, so when you know when that I mean, but we were home together for three years. I man. know. And from and so working from home and that. <laughs> <laughs> we're everything together everything. <laughs> so much togetherness and and you know the only time we were together was like when i was you know showering i think and that's yeah, about it when i would escape to go to the grocery store but it was like it was worth it you know i'd rather i'll get the covid if i can get out of here for a few minutes <laughs> It was nuts. And then I, so of course I ramped it up. What else was I going to do but buy booze and and drink in, in isolation and, you know, to, to, to turn down all the noise, you know, and, but running, 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 running. And so there you go. And you think about that too, it's instructive, I think, Halima, that alcohol became a bigger part of your life when isolation was mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that isolation is our, our worst enemy when it comes Absolutely. to yep, substance Absolutely. abuse. Absolutely. It, it most certainly is. And, and I, if, 
if people are honest, they'll say the same. They'll, you know, that's that. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the only thing that you where you can. That's the place you have to start. You have to be honest. Yes. You know, honesty is 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 what got me started in this journey because I thought everything you got to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with other people. You have to, and in return, like you have to be honest. I, I can't live a life now without that, yeah. without complete honesty. That is just, is key. But if you're real with yourself, that's the start of it. And that's what, when I got real with myself and I said, you know, like literally like, do you want to wake up tomorrow and feel like shit again? You know, like one more day, are you going to suck it up and get through it to do it all over again Yeah, and, and still be sad? And so the honesty, that's that's where it started for me. Honesty. And then that I had to look and around and see, you know, what I had become comfortable with so that I could continue to carry on this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. What you tolerate <laughs> what and you what tolerate, you accept. What you accept and what you do, to, you know, just to keep the attention off of you. You know, and it's 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 deep and it's painful. And and but you have to look at it. You got to look at it and you have to accept it and you you forgive yourself because it's really not the end of the world. You can forgive yourself for all of that. Because you were doing what you needed to do at the time to survive. And so, uh, you know, honesty and, and, for, and forgiveness, first and foremost, oh, I can't tolerate a liar today. You know what I mean? Like, I will distance myself, Charles, as soon as I, you know, I, I can't do that anymore. I don't want to live in that world anymore where there's lies. And I'll tell you something else. The isolation did me in. During COVID, the uh, not being able to go to the office, I was a very, very, very social yeah. individual, um, but also at the same time, I, 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 an extra, an introvert, you yeah. know, so trying to figure out and navigate all of that during uh, this lockdown and then the racial tensions that were going on. Yeah. I remember being in the bathroom and just crying desperately and not knowing what to do with how sad I was with the state of how people were treating one another. Yeah. It just did me in. So I drank some more. And then that, to look over and see that maybe, you know, I really don't like this man anymore. Like we don't have the same values anymore. Yeah. Like, did we ever have the same values? Right. Did we ever even have that discussion? You know, um, so all of that coming down on you and not really knowing what to do with it all at the same time. Yeah, I ramped it up and it was easier to drink the seltzers. You know, they were really marketing those. Yeah, Yeah, towards the ladies. Yeah, for us ladies. And for some reason, I didn't think. It was that bad. It wasn't straight up vodka, you know, and it flavor, but it was killed. The sugar was killed. It was a ridiculous mess. It was, a, and it, but it just went on, and it made so much sense to me. Running out to those stores, buying, you know, buying them in different stores, so people wouldn't recognize you, and you know, getting rid of the evidence. That's what I mean when I say there's so much work involved. Oh, no question. And getting rid of the evidence. You got it. And 
you know, when when it was over, I realized how much time I had in the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what, it, it is exhausting. <laughs> it is, it is exhausting. Halima. I mean, exhausting. honestly, the amount of time and energy mm-hmm. I spent trying to convince myself yeah. and everyone else and others that I didn't have a problem yeah. was yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Go to different liquor stores like you said. I did that, Halima. Oh, yeah. Of course you did. And you know what? People need to be able to share these stories because you know what? They're horrific, but there's also some humor in it too. And we can't just keep beating yourself up. You know what I mean? When I talked to one of the ladies in the outpatient group, some of the stories that she told me, I remember being in a cafe and almost being on the floor with laughter. Laughter. It's so ridiculous. Who are we kidding? You know what I mean? You know, putting it in different places and doing this and that. (laughs) Halima, okay, I love it. And here's the great, you love this. I'm on the back end of a third divorce and my wife at the time looks at me and she's like, Charlie, you drink every day. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, baby, but it's not a problem. It's on, it's only a few. Yeah. Okay, now she's counting. And the yeah. problem with trying to outsmart someone that's A, already smarter than you, and B, not drunk. <laughs> right. So it doesn't work very well. And I'm doing the same thing. You're talking about the switching. Like, I got them in the garage, <laughs> and I got them in. So, so if I only have three in the fridge at yep. a given time, mm-hmm. then she'll never she figure it, it she'll out. She'll never figure yeah. it out. The math, all of this, this is what I mean. The, the, it's a full-time job. <laughs> it it, 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 it took a day for her to be like, yeah, that's way more than a few. Okay? <laughs> right. like, and it took day. you like, to think about how am I going to pull And I was proud. I was so proud of it. I was sure. like, I got this. I got this. Sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. She'll you never, have, she'll never find. She'll it. never know. And then the waking up in the morning and thinking, "Oh God, I know. You know how how bad, how bad was it?" Honestly, you know. Honestly, so all of that, it's a wonder that you know how how can you keep up with with life with everything else that's going on when you got. Well, you can't at some anxiety. point, right? You can't. Yeah. All you right. Can't. So tell me about that moment, Halima. <laughs> That you get and you say, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Tell me about that moment. Yeah, I was, um, um, it was my birthday and I was walking down the street in, uh, in, in Denver and it was COVID stuff was still happening. So, yeah. you know, you could go to a bar and they would give you a big takeout. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the bar in the hotel closing and I'm thinking, oh, it's not I've not had enough. It's my birthday. Every day could have been my birthday. You know? <laughs> know. That's, that's the excuse I'm using. But anyway, so that's what I told myself. So I walked down the street to get another drink and the guy goes, you want um, you want a picture of it? And I was like, yes. And he gave it to me. I can't tell you how big it was. It was huge. Must have been about five drinks in there. So I'm going back to the hotel room and I'm drinking it and I leave it and go go to sleep. I wake up in the morning and I go to it. And I was like, okay. And I, I drank that one. 
after I finished it, then I took my uh, husband at the time. I, he had a shot. I finished that. And we left the hotel and I thought, is this what you want? This is, this is, is this what you want? <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I, we left a hotel and something similar was the case. But this day I was just like, is this what you want? Yeah. This is bullshit. And that very next day I called my primary and um, see, see, the thing is about me was I was so conscious about my keeping my appointments, my doctors, my dental. I was per, on point with everything yeah. from that yeah. perspective. But I would always delay my physical, my mm-hmm. animals, because they're going to run the, the blood work on the liver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to run that panel. They're going to run that panel. And then, okay, so I'd push it off, push it off. Then I'd finally go in there and take it. And she'd say, Halima, you're leveled. Like, what's going on? And we have that talk. Because they got the receipts, right? They got the receipts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding anybody. And so I leave out of there and I go, oh, yes, I made it. You know, like, oh, yeah, joke's on me. So, So when I called her, I don't think she was surprised. So I made the appointment. I sat down in the office and I said, I need your help. Like, I think I have a problem and I need your help. And she was like, I got you. Halima, I got you. Nice. (laughs) I love that. I got you. I I love that. God, yes. And she stayed with me. She still is with me. Um, but we were checking my liver. We were checking my numbers every three months. Bam, Bam. I got my numbers back to normal. That in itself was like, yes. And then it's so, I mean, my life is only just gone upwards. Oh, upwards. I love so, that. Been this devastating in so many ways. I had to leave realized I was a, in an abusive relationship, you know? And yeah. you know, I I brought me to my knees when I figured that out. Yeah. But that happened in a sober moment yeah. of clarity that I realized that I was somewhere I had no business being. And so got out of that, put myself in a place Fit mentally where I was happy to be back with me. Mm. <laughs> it was just, and then I started to say, okay, well, make your list. What else do you want? What else you want to do? And I just started knocking it off. I just started ticking the boxes, Charles, knocking it off. And every day it's like, what can I go and do now? Uh, Haliba, I love that. I love all of that. And this moment of clarity that you had leaving the hotel room is so relatable. A lot of us have had that experience. I certainly have that out of body experience where it very much feels like you're looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, is this who you want to be? Is this the kind of life you want? Mm hmm. When you know deep down you have so much more to offer because, listen, you know, I mean, I was doing not horrible, but I was doing pretty good. And I mean, not like living up to my full potential, but getting by. Right. And so, like, oh, okay, I'm getting by, you know, but when you lay off of that and you realize what like you really are capable of doing oh my gosh it's it's out of no question i mean i had a car i had a job a good one at that point and i had a big house at the time like from all external perspectives 
Ozzy was just looking fine. Good, looking good. And I was suffering. Suffering in silence. You like really not being able to tell anybody what you're really, really feeling and the stuff that you've done that you don't want to talk about. Like that's why I think people like ourselves are so crucial to this journey because you gotta you, I just need some I just needed somebody to be able to relate to. And when I found out that they were there, I was like, oh, gosh, I can open up like I can yeah. really I can really get down to the bones of it. Stuff that maybe I couldn't even tell or wasn't ready to tell a therapist or my doctor. You know what I mean? You know, I just it, just having some place to go with with that just conversation. I, I think I, I want to be the Halima for people like <laughs> I want to be that person for people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I had that, and I, I know that if I, I, I know it was part. It was crucial in in this in me getting to the place where I am today was was having others around me that had gone through it. There's something really magical about being able to relate with another person that has the same or similar lived experience yeah as you do mm -hmm. and that magic allows us to be vulnerable authentic and make a real connection with another human being that's on the same journey as we are Dude. and i heard people in recovery meetings be vulnerable and they were telling my story halima yeah and they were giving me permission to be vulnerable too yeah inauthentic too yeah in previous attempts at recovery halima it was all about just waxing poetic about steps mm -hmm. and principles i had no interest in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this time i really listen to people and it changed me in a profound way it's why this podcast even exists is because these stories changed me in such a dramatic and foundational way that i felt called to bring these stories out of church basements mm -hmm. and into the sunlight so other people could hear these stories that may not get to a 12-step meeting or a recovery meeting yep. for any number of reasons mm -hmm. and can hear these powerful recovery stories and they too can find hope and inspiration that they can recover to. Absolutely. And that the, these things weren't available before as, as, as widely as they are now. Got it. I can tell you the countless This Naked Mind podcasts uh, episodes I listened to. I mean, I remember pulling over to the side of the street in tears. I also remember pulling over to the side of the street with laughter yeah. and playing certain episodes over and over again yeah. because I could relate. You got but I it. also saw the light at the end of the tunnel because of these people, you know? And so that's, that's a key component as well. Getting out there, being a part of the community, but also just being vulnerable, telling your story, being it, keeping it real and just letting folks know that just they aren't alone. And, and it's not a shameful thing. It's and also let's not even talk about how, you know, it's we're inundated with it. 
Yeah. How are you supposed to not have a problem with it at some point? I mean, I think everybody's got a problem if you're still drinking alcohol. It's poison. <laughs> it's, poison. It it's literally poison, and we dress it up to make it taste better to pour it down our throats. It doesn't make sense, even. <laughs> yeah, it's a toxin. Yeah. Yeah. Why I, that's why calling it a toxic relationship is extremely appropriate. It's so it's so appropriate. <laughs> Absolutely true. And Halima, you mentioned yeah. all of what was going on at the time that you got honest yeah. and then surrendered and asked for help. And God bless your doctor who responded with literally, I think, the most perfect response ever. I got you. I got you. I, I got mean, you. it was all that that moment. It was mad. It was like, oh, my gosh. And I felt gotten. You know what I mean? I felt held. I felt lifted up. And then my therapist, the things that she has done, that she took at somebody, you know, my doctor, Jen, she said, you know, yeah, I'm going through with through this with you the whole way because I've got to they're going to give you back to me when <laughs> when they're done with you. And then Colin, my therapist, I mean, the things that we we went through to 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 once I got all the clarity, I mean, the un unraveling of everything. I mean, I think we were both blown away by what was happening and why it was happening. And I mean, you just, you can't take this walk alone. I, and it, it, it's, it's, there's just, you need all of it to get through it and, and to sustain it, to get you to a place where it's sustainable, where you're not thinking about, Oh my gosh, where are they going to meet? Where are we going to meet? What am I going to drink? What if they ask me what I'm drinking? Like all that crap doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> It's no so question. my new, it's like, it, yeah, because it's like, am I going to, you know, I've, I've had people say, well, is it okay if I get a glass of wine? It's like, are, is it okay if you get a burger? Like, you're not asking me if, if it's okay right, right. for you to order yeah, something yeah. special off the, the food menu. Get what you want to get. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a grown ass. Makes, you're, you're a grown, a grown person. Ass. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then I got to say, I'm not the one with the issue. <laughs> if you're uncomfortable about me not drinking, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> I love it. That's tremendous. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned the the racial yeah. reckoning. Mm. We were at the epicenter of that because we're based here in the Twin Cities yeah. where George Floyd was <sighs> murdered. Mm. And we've all been through some collective trauma with COVID yes. yep. and George Floyd and Emma Taylor, you got you know, it. All, all of these folks. And, you know, here's the thing. When, when, when that was going down, I was in Colorado in a very small town. My um, husband uh, was a Caucasian and I'm, you know, African-American and this stuff's going down and neither one of us is understanding, but we know we, and we had a generational gap a 19 year generational gap. So things happened in his time that have differently than mine. So all of this is going down yeah. and there's nowhere for me to go to talk to anybody. And I'm not seeing anybody that looks like me on a daily basis right there. And so it was, it was, it was very, it was intense and I just didn't know what to do with it. But therapy again, bam, I had that 
in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I was able to utilize the therapy, but I needed that. I needed to talk it about out and get it out, make sense of it. I still don't have a clear, I got to still, I it is, it's an ongoing journey in understanding why people are so cruel. <laughs> um, but I had an outlet. I had somewhere to go with it, but that's why I, it, I really got to drive home the importance of just finding what works for you, but just know you need people walking alongside you. Absolutely. No question. And doing this thing in community Mm -hmm. has been really important and vital in my own recovery. And again, I think there's a few people that could do it alone, but why would you want to, Halima? Yeah. Like, why would you yeah. want to when I, when you can connect with other folks that are on the same journey as you, and you can experience yeah. all the beauty and yeah. love and friendship and growth well, and yeah, friendships. You're right. You do that because of the shame. I think. I think anybody who's do, trying to do that is an ego. It's a part of the ego, you know, yeah. and and that can yeah. really do do a job on you in all areas. So that's it's got to be just a part of that. And I understand that. I do. I understand it. But in order, you you, you need. Because, you know, here's another thing, too. Your family's not going to always b- walk alongside you there either for whatever reason. Yep. Okay. It could be self, whatever the reasons are. You you can't, you, you, you need a, a community that's going through it. No question. My dad, God love him. He is one of the best human beings I know. And he does not understand. Yeah. My addiction and alcoholism. Yeah. And yeah. he tries. And, uh, and and it's not like he looks at me and says, Charlie, I don't understand that. Yeah. It's just there's no way he can exactly. like somebody who has lived experience does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who can be honest about it. You bet. You know, um, and, and we all owe that to ourselves and each other to. You know, I'm not saying we're everything on your sleeve but i'm also saying like it's don't hide your pain it's it's like we can help each other and you're not the only you're not alone you're you're not alone and it's different than saying you're not the only one that's suffering that's not what i mean you're not alone in the suffering and people can help you and just or just sit with you you know we all have something we all have something. And I, it was one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn, you know, to ask for help. And when I did, it felt incredible. Yeah. It yeah. did. It, and it yeah. was small. It's small when you ask someone to do something, you know, you think, you know, but it's massive on the inside. There's no feeling like it, Halima. None. None. To surrender to something that you've been running from for so long. Yeah. It's powerful. Nothing. It's so powerful. <laughs> it really is what propels you. Like it, it, it you, you, you feel you're actually, that's when you're actually living. 
These are the genuine emotions that people have, not shame and blame and all of those ugly things. Like, and look, I say it all the time on this podcast. We as humans evolved yeah. to need community. Yep, that's right. We are biologically right. programmed to be in community. Yeah. Back in the caveman days, yep. we yep. die if we weren't yep. part of a community. Absolutely. Okay? Look, animals die if they're not. A, look, I mean, it's, it. it's all around it. us. It's you all around it. us. And see, I think that people won't really, you know, people think that time COVID, it was so horrible. And it's such a, it, yeah, but it was so much that was learned from a global perspective about that time. And I don't think that we'll see, I mean, we got years and years and years to see the effects of those two to three years of lockdown. Absolutely. No question. And Halima, as an African-American woman and recovering mm -hmm. out loud, I think that is so beautiful because you are allowing folks to be able to see them in you and in your story. Yeah. And women in recovery is a special thing. And people of color in recovery is a special thing. And you said it when you were in Colorado. Like, you didn't see a lot of people mm -mm. that look like you mm -mm. Mm -mm. around. And mm -hmm. That can be a really difficult thing. So mm -hmm. I think it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to recover out loud, no matter who you are. Yeah, sure. No matter who you are, because I'm I'm an American first, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm an American who's black and who is a woman, <laughs> right? So I, I want other people of color who look like me to know that there's no shame, there's no embarrassment, there's no, we don't have to hide, <laughs> we don't have to be perfect, but when, you, when you're in a society where you're told and you're reminded constantly that you can't only be magnificent, you better be extra, extra magnificent because you're black or because you're a woman, uh -huh. and so you're always trying to overperform and stay and not make too much of a problem and 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 have everybody think that you're okay yeah you know what we're all nobody's okay <laughs> okay nobody <laughs> nobody's okay no matter what color you are you got it. but you need to know that it's okay to come out and say it you don't have to be perfect we don't have to be better than the person next door you're in pain you're in pain and if you need help you go get it <laughs> Don't let cultural norms or societal norms or any of that crap get in the way of you being who you are and what you need and getting what you need. It's available to you. And look, it's there. It's there. And there's no shame. Given your problem, walk away. <laughs> Absolutely. And. When we choose to recover out loud and share our stories, we're affording others the opportunity to connect. And look, yeah. your story is going to connect with a set of people that my story isn't and vice mm -hmm. versa. That's mm -hmm. why a diverse community yeah. of voices recovering out loud is so vital. It is the lifeblood 
of recovery is a diverse community of voices recovering out loud. Certain people spoke to me in ways that they didn't speak to other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I needed those people. Sure. Yep. You know? Yep. And so that's why I was such a huge advocate that the more people that choose to recover out loud, the better from all walks of life. Absolutely. And I thank you for um, for this platform for us to, to, you know, for podcasters to um, make this place available for us to do that. I know it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, Um, I hope to have a podcast myself one day very soon so that I can get 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 those experiences out there as well. I've got to reach people in different parts of the country. Who knows? Who knows? But you you. You want to I thank you. I thank you and other podcasters for um, making this available for us to uh, to speak and to listen, to be interviewed and to um, listen to you guys, because it's amazing, Charles. Really, it is. Thank you. It's an absolute honor, Halima. And consider this an open invitation. Should you choose to start your own podcast, I will be helpful to you in any and every way possible to make that happen thank you charles yeah you <laughs> That's bet. lovely thank yeah. you so much we have work to do we've got work to do that's what i'm saying yes. that's what i'm saying we have right? work to do and i think you'd yes. make a beautiful podcast host so there you go <laughs> thank you very much yeah. yes. be just <laughs> really appreciate that you got it, Haliba. You got it. Okay, Haliba. So you do recovery coaching. I am a recovery coach myself. So woman after my own heart. I believe recovery coaching fills a really important space in the recovery care continuum. As you talked about in your own journey, going to your primary care doctor who then got you hooked up with outpatient treatment, which mm-hmm. I did as well, outpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. And it was instrumental mm-hmm. in my recovery. Mm-hmm. And then out of outpatient treatment, getting into recovery meetings and a recovery program. But I believe that many can benefit from recovery coaching, especially those who do it that have lived experience with substance use, because we can bring so many tools to them that they can start implementing in their own recovery. And as you said, there's as many paths to recovery as there are people who are in recovery. It's all a little bit different for each of us, isn't it? Right. So agreed. And here on the Way Out podcast, we celebrate and elevate all of them. Yeah. All of them. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's it's just awesome. I mean, you know, I think back to the times, you know, because I'm a deep thinker. (laughs) Um, I think back to the times where there were like little gaps of something else I, I just needed or wanted from someone. Yeah. And I, I think now I got to fill those gaps, those little things. Like I want to do that. I want to go back and I want to be, be, be a part of that with someone on someone's journey. You know, those, those things. Yeah. Love that. I hear that a lot 
with folks who write books, they wrote the book that they wish they had. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It, it feels like totally. that's what you're saying about your recovery yeah. coaching, right? You yeah. want to be the recovery coach you wish you had. That's exactly right. I mean, and not to say that any of of what happened, it was great. I had the team I was yeah. supposed to have. I mean, you're you know? you're you're, you're sober and what, right? Yeah. Yes. So, you know, if I can be that little extra with all the little things that I learned and went through during, I mean, I, I, I you know, I mean, seriously, in the short amount of time, a divorce, uh, um, getting off the, bo- getting off the booze, I changed jobs, started a business, becoming a single mom by choice, discovered that I was a highly sensitive person. All, all of that <laughs> happened because clarity. Yeah. Because I was able to shift again and remember what my dreams were as a kid. All the things I've ever wanted to do. I had I thought back, Charles, uh, to what my major was in college. It was broadcasting, telecommunications, and mass media. I always wanted a microphone in front of me. Yeah. And it's like, Halima, doesn't have to be on ESPN or something. You can have the microphone in front of you. You, you, got it. you have plenty of, you, you know, so it. you just have to think about all the things that you your dreams and then just let them materialize in the way that they're supposed to and you will be so happy and pleasantly pleased and surprised and you get to meet fellow people like you Charles never would have met you Uh, and you got it you got it and that's the single greatest thing about doing this podcast Taliba is I get to meet amazing people like you and it's been the experience and the joy of a lifetime to be able to meet amazing people like you. You add to my recovery in ways that I don't even understand until sometimes months later. Yeah. No? Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. It's awesome. Amazing. No <laughs> question about it. And I too went to radio broadcasting school. And that's the thing. Like I got sober and I was like, I got to do this. Yeah. Like, I just got to do this. You just got to do it. Yes. And there's no reason not to. There, you got, we, well, we know we've got plenty of time. Okay. Well, we, we know we have extra time without all of that. <laughs> <No. going on. laughs> oh, I'll start a podcast. There you go. <laughs> well, the good news, Aliba, if you start a podcast, you'll realize that it does eat up quite a bit of time so that's I've been, the good I've been, news look yeah. i've been i've been i've been uh look checking it out uh hardcore yeah it takes uh you set two days aside i understand yeah. well you should one for yeah. tape and one for that's it the other one for recording and one for editing you got it yeah that's yep. what i understand <laughs> you are doing your research i oh yeah linkedin learning's been i've been crushing <laughs> it on They've got all those tutorials. So I just set it up and I just listen while I'm working. I listen. I love it. You mentioned Halima, the highly sensitive person. I identify as that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these are the things Mm -hmm. that we learn about ourselves as we progress in our recovery. Mm -hmm. Now, how about that? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because if you're feeling 
things at that intent of a level more than the average person, you want to shut the noise down. You think that you're not normal. You think like these things that like, how is it that I can be that feel that much pain or feel that much um, joy? Even it works both ways. Okay. It works both ways. And I'm here to tell people that it works both ways. Go with the good one. Go with the good stuff. Like it's all good. It's all good. Seriously, it's all amazing. I'm so glad that I have this trait. I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm happy to finally know. I'm happy to know why I am the way I am. Why I turn to certain things. I do believe I turn to alcohol for to silence mm-hmm. the noise. Mm-hmm. You know, you it. Um, it makes sense now. That's empowering. Okay. That is extremely empowering. So, of course, I've I've just delved. I'm I'm all about that now. I'm just learning so much about high sensory sensory individuals, and it's it's stunning. It's beautiful. It's like being a super taster yes, for emotions. Yes. Yep, yep. That's exactly it. And 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 the, <laughs> I mean, the, to just know how within the HSP community how we experience things similarly and differently yeah intent and the intensity of it it's magnificent i mean to be a part of a group of people like that where you know i know how i feel sometimes when i'm around people that look like me but to know that people feel like me on the inside is intense you know what i mean (laughs) To know that, like, the things that affect me and, like, all the things that I question on a regular basis as to whether they were normal or whether, you know, everybody knows that, you know, I have those thoughts all the time and I know that I'm normal. Like, I know that I'm special. (laughs) I know that I'm special. And, Haliba, I always had a nagging suspicion that I wasn't quite like other people, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And I didn't know I was a highly sensitive person until I got into recovery and started doing this podcast and heard about it. I thought everybody felt like I did. I thought that was normal. And that I was just, yes, I was just particularly unable to handle my emotions. So I was left with this, like this feeling like everybody else had a better ability to manage their emotions than me. And I was just bad at it. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel like shit. Yes. You, you know, that's another, that's like, yes. oh, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and people would tell me that. Myself. Like, what, of course you, they did. Right. <laughs> of course they told you that. And here you are the one that um, we're the seers. We're the people that <laughs> feel things yeah. and alert people to other things. How many lives have you saved? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Seriously, hyper awareness. You know what I mean? Like I can, the hyper sensitivity in all species are the ones that are keeping watch at night. The ones that know when shit's about to hit the fan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? To know exits are. Yep. You know to 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 know when something doesn't feel right. You know you can sense the. That's powerful. Yeah, you can sense the disturbance in the force. Yes, you can. But I can only imagine how in 
with 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 young men, it's got to be work. It's it's your experience because you me crying society based on societal norms, yeah. and you crying, they're gonna look at you as if you, you know, a, you can't cope. For me, I'm just over. Yeah. I'm just an emotional woman. It's weak. Yeah, and that's horrible. It's horrible. But what we know now, we have to do better. What we know, we know now. And we can see things in children that we, in our generations, our parents misunderstood. Now we we know better. So we have to help. <laughs> like we have to help everybody. And, and, and that, I got to tell you, that is one of the, in my top three things I'm grateful for uh, with becoming a sober person is finding out that I was highly sensitive and confirming. And that gives me so much power. Now I trust myself, you know, I can trust myself that the feelings I'm feeling, the intuition that I'm having is on point and that elevates me. I can't imagine ever wanting a, a drink, a drop of booze. How, there's no trade-off. No kidding. And, and <laughs> the process, Haliba, for me, instead of mm-hmm. numbing those emotions that I didn't know how to manage versus in recovery, being able to begin that process of identifying what Emotions felt like what? Yes. Put a name to that particular. Put naming emotion. them. Okay, that's what this feels like. Yeah. When yeah. my body feels like this, yes. that's this emotion. And it sounds so freaking elementary. But, but I'm us. telling you, when you're pouring <laughs> alcohol and drugs all over it for 20 go. plus years, you go. I knew ecstasy. Yeah. And I knew suffering and pain and depression and sorrow and anger. And that's it. And you talk about with men, anger is an okay emotion with men. Sure. Of course it is. You know? And I liked it because it was powerful. Yeah. And it was the one emotion that I had access to that society in large part allowed me to have within limits. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Within limits. Within limits. And in recovery, being able to put that pause in when I feel an emotion, name it, and then identify what's causing that emotion, yeah. and then bringing out those tools. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I feel ashamed. Maybe I feel not good enough. Maybe I feel attacked. Whatever it is. Maybe, maybe I feel betrayed. You got it. You got <laughs> you know, it. That was a big one for me, betrayal, because I would chalk that up. Like I was getting that confused with embarrassment and and shame and you know, all of these things. But and making excuses for people who just basically betray you. Yeah. Yeah. But not knowing and not being able to give it a name, you don't, you can't, you don't have a plan of attack. There's you don't know no, what to do with it. How do you, you know how what do you do with it? You don't know what to do with it. But I do know that what I won't hear again is that I'm too sensitive. I won't hear that again. 
You know, that is just so damaging. You're just too sensitive. You're just too emotional. Oh, and then as a black woman, I would get you're too emotional <laughs> because, because I guess, um, I don't know. I guess we have a reputation of being, you know, animated. Yeah. And I would get, and yeah. it's like, so I get, I get that part of that shame too. And it was just yeah. like, oh my God, but now I know who I am. And, and now I can, I make, I, I am who I am. <laughs> and there's no shame about it either because yeah. like, it's a part of me. It's who I am. And it's actually what makes me so awesome is that characteristic. You know, the fact that I can talk to people and engage and have that charisma and, you know, all those things. I just used to think something was wrong with that. And to, uh, and then I, and then I would be made to feel lazy if I needed downtime, you know, after all of the right. me, you know, uh, but it's just that it's just, but knowing it, Oh God, it's just great. And I just want to let everybody else know that us 20%, the the 20% of us that there are is fantastic and it's real. It is a hundred percent real. So check the show notes right now for a handy link all about highly sensitive person so that you can check it out if you are so interested. And for me, Halima, I don't know about you, but I'm an overthinker. My brain's going a million miles an hour all the time. And that was the other thing that I was using alcohol for was to quiet yes. the monkey yes. brain. Or to stay at the party longer. You know, when when we don't want to stay the whole time. I, was I know, right. No question. Yes. We don't want to stay, but we end up drinking and staying to get through it. And if you listen to these the stories of people with addictions, I guarantee you there's so many of us are. A hundred percent. So many of us It are. allowed me to be the life of the party. It, it allowed yeah. that. It allowed that. It allowed you to stay longer. It allowed you to even show up. You know, it's yes. it's not it's. And, and it sounds like you might be in this camp too. I'm an ambivert mm. where I definitely need that social connection and interaction, but it drains me too. It it, it takes me down. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but to be a, but to have somebody understand that you need that time to yourself and that it's not personal is yeah. it, it, in navigating that through COVID. I, I got to tell you that really, exacerbated my anxiety because mm -hmm. I could not get any alone time. The drive to the, uh, the, the job was no longer available to me. Like those times that you had alone were not available and we need that. I need desperately them. Oh downtime. man, I need them. Yeah. Desperate downtime, desperate. And when you, when you, and, and, and that causes friction, but now to know, oh my goodness. You got an age person with ADHD and an HSP in the home together during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, feel it. Yeah, you no, know, 100%. Yeah, but no, it's that's real. real. It's it is real. real. And there are other people that have had those experiences and they need to know that they're not alone and that they're not abnormal. No question, Halima. Halima, are you ready for our closing I questions? Ready. I am ready. Bring it. What does your daily or regular recovery routine consist of? Ooh, okay. You got to have, seriously, you got to have that conversation with yourself in the shower. <laughs> you 
your gratitude. You got to say some of the, all the things that you're grateful for. You got to do, I do a little dance. I definitely put the hands up because that represents I'm winning. Okay. <laughs> so I do. And I, I, so the shower is important for that conversation with myself, get myself going. I then do a nice meditation somewhere throughout the day, but there's always nature in my life. I'm surrounded mm. by nature. That was one of the, 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 the things I did when I made that move uh, from that abusive relationship was to surround myself with nature. So I'm able to go to the beach. I'm able to take walks on the beach. I'm able to run outdoors with my dogs. Those things are all super important. Um, and I eat something decent before I get into the work day. I also now with all the research that I've been doing about HSPs and the recent certification I received, it's important to sit down in the middle of the day or the time of day where I know I listen to my body now. I listen, I listen, I listen, I listen, and I do so much better. I perform so much better when I do, when I don't give those self, give myself the downtime before work or fulfill myself before I delve into other people's energy. It's not good. Yeah. I won't have a good day. And then the sleep. Your sleep is super important. And the electronics, put them, I leave it in the room. I leave it in another room starting at 8 p.m. That's it. It's in another room. And I have have found that I've not missed out on mm-hmm. anything. There's no emergencies. And if there was an emergency, I would say 10 out of 10 times it was their emergency. <laughs> they just wanted me, you know, some of me. But I had to give myself everything first. And so that's what it looks like for me. So to wrap it all up, conversation, the gratitude, the conversation in the shower, the meditation outside with nature and my dogs, breathing the fresh air, a decent meal, diving into work, taking breaks, and then calling it quits at a reasonable hour. I love that, Halima. And I too am very militant about my sleep. Sleep is just such a foundational thing for my wellness on a daily basis. And I won't sacrifice it anymore. No, I won't do it. It's it's, the price is too high. Oh, and then another little bit I need to add in there. It's very important to self-develop, you know, do something, you you know, do, do something new and different every day, even if it's a five minute action, but to learn something new every day. And learn from others. Don't be afraid to learn from others. You don't hold up all the space. And other people have fantastic and brilliant ideas. And so being open to that is so enlightening. It's absolutely amazing to hear other people's ideas and perspectives. And so I really make that a priority as well. Because I, 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 I just, I love it. I love that too. And I heard self-care in there, which is tremendous and gratitude and meditation, all things I practice on the daily as well. So just a really good recipe for recovery on the daily. And therapy, weekly, uh, monthly, weekly, whatever you got to talk to somebody, get it out, talk to somebody who's objective and can kind of, you know, help you out. You got to bounce things off of people who don't, necessarily have an invested 
interesting. Yeah. Really kind of just want to help. Yeah. yeah. And I so that's that. important. That's important. Halima, what book or piece of recovery literature had the biggest impact on your recovery? This Naked Mind, Annie Grace. That that had the most profound impact because from that place, I uh, I was able to, I felt in control. Like I was able to take charge of what was happening because it was happening up here. Like I needed, it required me to step into something that that was scary and the unknown but I was able to do it because of the way it was presented I didn't have to for me I I didn't I was I didn't want to be reminded every day that I had a uh unhealthy relationship without mm-hmm. like I needed to see it from the way that I saw it and I think that that's I'm certain that that is why uh, I have zero desire after that, after the the 5th, the January 5th just went away. It was such a transformational entry into the Quitlet space because it really changed the game in terms of how people reckoned with their relationship with alcohol by asking a really simple question but profound question, which is, is alcohol serving you? Yep. And if it is, let's hear how. Yeah, (laughs) right. When you frame it in that way, it really does force you to reckon with your relationship. And you either have to choose to lie if it's not serving you or you have to get honest. Right. And there you go. And and that for me, for me, honesty was just everything. And so I had it forced me to do that. And I it like- got out of the stigmatizing often terms that people, I think, are resident to want to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Alcoholic, mm-hmm. addict. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with alcohol, whatever it is. And look, folks that know me, I celebrate and elevate my recovery. That's really what I'm centering today. Mm-hmm. Not my problematic relationship that I had with alcohol. Okay? Well, you're and, more than that. You're because you're more than that. I mean, you know, why is it that people can recover from cancer or be, you know, uh, completely free of it? But I, I got this other disease and I can't be free of it. Right. Alcoholism. Right. I mean, I have to be an right. alcoholic the rest of my. But if if every everybody has their own pathway, with you bet. That. You and, bet. You know, as long as it works for you. If it works for you and you are doing what's right for yourself and you're not hurting others and you you have good intent and it's coming from a place of love, you know, I I just don't see a lot of judgment there. Do do, do how whatever you have to do to get off booze. No question. In, in recovery <laughs> meetings, I identify as an addict and an alcoholic. But uh-huh. to the rest of the world, I'm a person in long term recovery. Yeah, I am but a you person. Are your trials too. 
You it's just it. Charles. You got it. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, my relationship with substances is not the defining feature of my identity. Not. And so the way that Annie Grace turned the paradigm and asked that really foundational question, is alcohol serving you? You can say that across any substance. Yeah. Yes. And have that honest conversation with yourself. And I think she brought it to more. It was I don't know if this is she humanized it like it felt like it could be your aunt or your friend next Mm -hmm. door. You know, it it was something like, okay, yeah, this is in all of our backyards. Right. But yeah, and again, the questions to ask to really and it got out of the stigma, right? Because as soon as you say alcoholic, you think paper bag bottle under a bridge. Exactly, and it's so not that. No, that guy is that guy's showing us that that person is showing us, you know, like that's out in the open. There's so many closet things going on. Oh my gosh. Um, but but when you once you put it out there that way, it just I think it got a lot of folks to really take a look at themselves. And, you know, you, you don't have to be. Like, if you're looking forward to that glass of wine at five o'clock every single day, there's a problem. And it's not the wine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it's anybody that has that. Anybody. That, you know, even that that person that doesn't drink all week. Oh, I don't drink all week. I just drink on the weekend. What are you doing to your body on the weekend? What does that even mean? What is that? that? I love it. Absolutely. No question. You don't have to do that to yourself. We can all talk about it. You don't have to do that to yourself. No no question. No no question. Haliba, what is the best piece of advice you've received in recovery? Um, oh, the help piece, asking for help. Um, uh, yeah, I was in, um, one of the, um, outpatients, uh, well, cause see what they did was we had a group session during the week three times, and then we'd have one-on-one and all of this was over the internet during COVID. So, uh, the one, co- one, um, therapist, he said to me, because he had noticed a trend of me not <laughs> really asking for help very much. And so he asked me to choose one person in my life and actually ask them for help. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's going to be a breeze. That was difficult. For it's me. hard. Yeah. It's difficult. And then when I asked the person and made myself completely vulnerable, she said, uh, absolutely, I can be that person that will always be honest with you and I'll be there. You know, you if you need help, you can always count on me. Turns out she wasn't that person. She didn't end up keeping her part of the deal. But the exercise was for me to ask someone. <laughs> and I did that piece. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I've been able to do it ever since. I mean, even going to the neighbor and asking could you help me do like that? It just walking to my neighbor's house to ask her husband one day to help me with something that from moving into my new place. I, I, it, I, it was like, 
it took me 10 minutes to get five feet. I know. <laughs> so I'm thinking in one of my head, what am I going to ask him? How am I going to ask him? How am I going to ask him? Is it okay to ask somebody for help? It, and I was like, just do it. <laughs> but it was so hard. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, asking for help is was the was the thing that I learned the most learned in 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 therapy and learned in treatment that and that's so important. I, I have to say that was a number one thing for me. I love that, and I too have an extraordinarily hard time asking for help still to this day, but I'm getting better at it. Yes. And a lot of this stuff in recovery is stuff that we're not used to doing. Yeah. Right? And it's going to feel uncomfortable. Yep. And it's going to feel a little weird. And it's kind of like a muscle that you haven't worked in a long time. right? But as you keep practicing it, it gets easier. And that muscle gets stronger. And you're building that muscle memory. And if you ask for help for small things, then it becomes yeah. a little easier to ask it for help is. for the big stuff. There it is. And then one day, it'll just be second nature you won't yep. even realize that like, it won't be that big of a deal those days are coming trust me with everything all of these these steps they won't be so hard the more you continue to do it it'll just become common practice and then one day you'll wake up and be like damn i did it i'm doing it and then you're inviting people in your life when you do that that's it those are the kind of folks that are coming <laughs> those folks are coming into your life by just by default because it's just going to happen. You just wait. It's amazing. Sure is. Halima, what is the greatest challenge you've had in recovery thus far? <sighs> hearing. Yeah, I'm going to say it's hearing my ex-husband's voices in my head mm -hmm. saying that I wasn't going to be able to to do this. I'm a failure. You're just a drunk. You know, those things kind of come, well, they don't come really much anymore. Uh, I would respond differently if he was yeah. saying those things now, but those things, that was the hardest part because when I was trying to do it, I was still getting what's for dinner and then he was still drinking in front of me. And I mean, all of that was happening while I was trying to, um, fight for my life so yeah. that was the roughest that was the roughest but thank god i didn't realize it during because i might not have made it <laughs> like i didn't realize how bad that was until yeah I away from it absolutely no question that separation and being able to have some yeah. perspective on that and reckoning with yeah the full consequence of that yeah so that that yeah that definitely by far was the roughest having having someone there that is not in your corner that's actively trying to sabotage. sabotage actively sabotaging yeah clawing your way through that like, and i had sabotaged myself i didn't need any help i okay. certainly didn't need any help <laughs> not from that joker i didn't need any help i was doing fine on my own you know but so that's just to say that's just to say folks you know don't let that don't let that deter right. you because it's going to happen. It could very well happen, you know, but don't let it deter you. Just it's noise. It's yeah. noise. No question. Halima, what is the greatest success you've had in recovery thus far? Leaving that man. <laughs> Getting out of that relationship and remembering who I was. Who I am 
that's it. That's the best. That's along Because along with that, like everything else is taken off. So. Absolutely beautiful. I absolutely love it. Haliba, the next one's a doozy, and then we end with Woo! a fun one. Okay. What is something you haven't forgiven yourself or someone else for? I haven't forgiven a very close family member for turning their back on me mm. or believe. Yeah. Yeah. When I needed them the most, mm. but I will say that in reevaluating that inability to forgive, I see areas where I can forgive. And so I'm starting in those areas. You know what I mean? I don't have to forgive the person wholeheartedly or for everything, but the things that I can forgive them for, I am because it is freeing me. That's super real, super relatable and beautiful because you crack the door for forgiveness and freedom. We ask this question because it is a really tied up often in our active substance use and then subsequent recovery, either hangups around not being able to forgive ourselves or somebody else for something. And it can keep us stuck in some ways, Absolutely. right? In a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, because you're thinking about it. Yes. <laughs> the basis. It's taking it's energy. So it's taking space. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, like why uh, this person's living rent free yeah. in my head. With my permission. Yes. I'm letting so, them in. I'm inviting them in. Them in. Every so day you're asking you them to come right on it. You're like, hey. It's, <laughs> I like it. Come on. I'm glutton for punishment. Bring it. <laughs> so, no, no. It, it, it really, you know, and I'm trying to get myself. Well, I am. And it's just when, you, when you're trying to, when you are living healthy in a healthy space, like that, that is just, it's poison creeping It is. In. Yes. It's just yes. not. And, well, and it's a and look, forgiveness is a process. It totally is. It and it's is. A, and for me, it's a practice. Like every morning, I forgive myself and others for everything. Like I, it's a practice that I have every morning. Not because I'm trying to be more spiritual than y'all, but because I need to. So what do you do? What do you say to you? What do you do? So I. Breathe in mm-hmm. forgiveness of self and others. And then I breathe out resentment against others and myself. And so when I'm breathing in, I breathe in forgiveness of myself and others. And anything that comes to mind at that moment where I feel like I've collected some unforgiveness, that I breathe that out. Mm. And it's a really wow. foundational practice for me on a daily basis. I like because that. I have the ability to collect that stuff. Sure. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I like that, Charles. May I take it and use it? I'm going to do it in the mornings. You may. You absolutely I like that. Because it really does feel like that I am breathing in that forgiveness Mm -hmm. and that's part of me in the morning and throughout the day then. And then I'm breathing out that resentment. It's been a game changer for me. Yeah. I love it. Halima, here's the fun one. Oh, okay. What song symbolizes recovery to you? (laughs) I don't know the name of it. It's called... It's a beautiful morning. Oh, by the it rascals. <laughs> it is. That one brings, brings it to me. There's a Stevie Wonder one, too, but that one always comes to me in the morning when I'm singing in the shower. It's a beautiful morning. I love that. And Haliba, that is a way out podcast first. So we've never had. I'm a first, so no that, surprise there. You are, in fact, a one of a kind. <laughs> no surprise. Check the show notes right now for Haliba's best piece of recovery advice, her quit lit recommendation, her recovery song recommendation, which has been officially added to <laughs> the Way Out podcast curated Spotify playlist all in the show notes as well as Haliba's contact information should you feel so moved to reach out Halima thank you so much for sharing your journey to and through recovery with us this has been tremendous thank you Charles I loved it and thank you everybody out there in way out podcast land for your ears we will talk to you Next time. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to The Way Out Podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time, and remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.